0: I, you know, I think we've got a lot to learn from nature about the cycles of growth and rest. And I was listening the other day to Rick Hansen, who's um, a psychologist. I mean, he's a positive psychologist, and he was talking about interestingly about what tulips can teach us about transition. Who knew this? Um, so that rest and preparation under a rich soil, under the compost is really important for there to be a flower for for there to be a bloom and you know we might be focused on just seeing the things where we are achieving to be focused on the flowers but what we also need to see and know about is under underneath you know uh, that achievement um, that vital rest is important in producing quality flowers
1: Welcome to Successful Student Transitions. Now, if you're new to this podcast, a quick introduction. This podcast is for you if you're facing a big life change. Perhaps you're moving to university, you're taking a year abroad, a work placement, making an international move for education, or out into the world of work. Times of change like these can be both exciting and challenging. And our aim is to support you as you step out and find your new gear and thrive in this next stage of your life. Now I love the tulip analogy at the beginning of this podcast episode and I wonder how does it resonate for you? As you settle into this next stage of your life, there will undoubtedly be a lot that you want to achieve. You'll be busy. At times of transition like this, we know it is also really important to think about how you are charging your batteries so that you have the energy and vitality you need to accomplish all you want to accomplish. So today we're talking all about rest and recovery. So why not rest a little as you listen to this episode? We hope to inspire you to use rest and recovery as one of the ways in which you
0: replenish your well-being. So, today we're going to be talking about something that we both think is fundamental to our well being, and that is rest and recovery. And we decided to make this a separate category to distinguish the difference between sleep. You know, we've had a, a, a recent one uh, podcast on sleep. So, we want to kind of talk about the difference between sleep and rest. And we often think sleep is rest. But in today's podcast, we're gonna say it's only one type of rest. And we're gonna talk really more while, while, widely about other types of rest and recovery. And in viewing rest around times of transition, gosh, what an important thing it is, because you know those transition times where there's lots of preparation and planning and new things and new people, new places, There's a really heightened busyness, isn't there, Louise, when, you know, you've got everything doing and planning and time pressures and deadlines and all those emotional challenges that we've talked about in the first few podcasts about change. So really transitions challenge making space for rest. And this in turn has an impact on our energy to do the things we need to do. And if we're thinking more widely about rest, we we might think it's not just sleep, but we might think about in relation to exercise. And for people who are taking the exercise seriously here on the podcast, you know that your rest days are really important to give your muscles time to repair so that you, you return to training kind of stronger. That important rest prevents injury and promotes progress. So exercise and your rest give you muscle growth who wouldn't want that
1: (laughs) perhaps that's where i've been going wrong. (laughs) so yeah and I, i wanted to at this point to just share a lovely quote from um emily and amelia nagoski who are authors of a book called burnout solving the stress cycle and they say rest is quite simply when you stop using a part of you that's used up worn out, damaged or inflamed so that it has a chance to renew itself. And I think that's a really lovely reminder that it's it can be anything in about any part of us in our life. And we'll come on to talk and give you examples a bit later on. But it's not just about um, having a sleep or a, 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 a short nap. Um, it's more than that. And we'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, you know, resting... After an activity that's depleted us in some way has been found to eliminate the effects of fatigue. So you know, we don't necessarily have to go immediately to bed and go to sleep to recover. Just having a little break can help too.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think we've got a lot to learn from nature about the cycles of growth and rest. And I was listening the other day to Rick Hansen, who's um a psychologist, a senior fellow at the Barclay. Um, um greater goods service. I mean, he's a positive psychologist. And he was talking about, interestingly, about what tulips can teach us about transition. Mm-hmm. Who knew this? Um, so that rest and preparation under a rich soil, under the compost, is really important for there to be a flower, for, for there to be a bloom. And you know, we might be focused on just seeing the things where we are achieving to be focused on the flowers but what we also need to see and know about is under underneath you know uh, that achievement um that vital rest is important in producing quality flowers so a nice thing to think about you know in nature this happens all the time and it's something that maybe we can learn a bit from And as always, about how we think about the fundamentals, and today we're going to talk about rest and what we do about them is unique to us. Um, And it could be maybe a time in the podcast to think about, to pause and reflect on Um, what are the signs for you that rest is needed? So there might be a signal somewhere. Um, How do you respond to that signal? Or if you do, or do you just power through? Are there things in your day or week you do to rest that's not just about sleep? Okay, so it might be worth thinking about those three questions because we're going to go into those in a a deeper way. Louise, if we're we're going to take some of these things about just thinking about rest, um, what does rest mean to you? Do you have signs that rest needed, and how do you rest?
1: Yeah, I think listening to this and thinking about this, I you know, I, I think about rest as being about uh, sleep. Um, and then I recognize exercise is a form of rest for me, too, in terms of going for a walk in nature, for example. The dog, as I think I've said a few times before, taking him for a walk. I see that you know, not as a sort of tough physical activity, I see it as a form of rest a break from the everyday norms um and then of course there's the flopping on the sofa at the end of the day which I don't always do in fact I, say I often do but when I do that's often because I've come to a, some kind of a full stop but I do know that I, I I have this thing with my family and every so often I come to what I call the big full stop and I, I just feel absolutely exhausted and I'll just say, right, well, I'm sorry, <laughs> that's me out. Oh. And I was just reflecting on that and thinking, I wonder whether that happens because I don't take enough or pay enough attention to the whole question of rest and taking rest from different things at times when I need to. You know, I kind of all been like, ignore it and power on through. Um, you know, because there's so many different things happening, different things to be done. Um, I'm not always working. You yeah, know, work at home, but I'm surrounded by the house and all the, Responsibilities that go with that too. So, you know, there always seems to be something else to go on to do. And then there's life and social life and all the fun things too. Um, and so then every so sort often I yeah, reach this full stop. And I think this will be useful for me to start thinking about well, how could I like squeeze in some little rests so that I don't have to have those big rest moments? Um, and I think it's interesting because I think from a cultural perspective, there is this kind of um value that being hard working is a good thing um and so in order to achieve in life in any every area of our life you know we need to put in the effort we need to do good work and we have to work hard which I think is really true to a point but I was listening to a, a short YouTube pod, um, thing with, with a guy called Alex Pang who is author of a book about rest and one of the the things, the points that he makes is that rest is not opposite to work, rest is necessary for good work. And I really like that distinction because you kind of think work, okay, now I need to rest, but rest is actually what will help you to create that good work. Um, and can I just say, just like the tulip, is yeah, it? Yeah, just like the tulip, so yes, yes. And so he, he challenges the belief that there is this correlation between the amount of time we put into work and the results achieved, and he sort of talks about, you know, a lot of the sort of very creative people, authors, um, people who have won prizes, sort of Nobel Prize, Peace Prizes and so on. You know, they tend to arrange their lives around their work. You know, we look at them and we think they must work really hard to achieve all of that. And yes, work's really important to them. But he says that a lot of them don't spend the whole day working in a really focused way. They tend to get up and work really hard for a number of hours and then move on to the rest of their day and they sort of layer that really intensive work and then they are aware that they need to rest to recover, rest from that work to recover and that it's in those recovery times that often the subconscious thinking is happening which means that when they then return to that focused work they have perhaps some solutions to some problems they've been thinking about and um, and they're able to move things forward so I think that's a really important point to make as well because if you're at uni and you're or even if your first job and you're working on a report or an assignment you, know, you can feel that you've got to be on it all the time but actually taking a rest from it and recovering in some way by doing something different can be really helpful so something to bear in mind.
0: Yeah I think that's a really good point and we're going to come back to that one um, later as well and when if, if I was to think about my signals about how, what's what what I feel and notice within myself I might be noticing that I'm feeling just a bit busier than I want to be maybe then I get a bit harassed and I've got to change plans a bit like I did today Louise um, <laughs> trying to fit lots of things in um, and I also noticed maybe if I'm if when I get up from my computer, my body feels, you know, my neck, my shoulders feel a bit tired or something. So I kind of know my signals or some of my signals about, oh, rest is needed here. And and I, th- I think it's a rest for my mind and my body. My body needs telling tell me you're sitting too long, Elizabeth. So mm-hmm. um, a bit like Louise, I like to move. I like to walk. I like to run. Um, so that movement, although it's an activity, it actually gives me a space to kind of do other things. I, I really like to either walk or run without listening to music because I'm quite interested in what comes up in my mind at that point when it's just allowed free reign and a bit of creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to connect with nature a bit like when we were talking in our movement, um, podcast you know, to go on that wonder walk and just kind of see the bigger picture of things and that's my small place in it. So, and of course I know getting to bed, going to sleep is really important for it too. So there are things that I know are my signals and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. Um, and then what you do about meeting those needs. So it's not just about sleep, is it? But what about rest? How much rest should we have, Louise? What do you think about that? Well,
1: I know that some studies have been done and they suggest that the body and brain needs on average 42% of our time spent resting in some way. So that's sleep and rest. Um, it doesn't have to be every day, though. So it can be an average over a week or a month, you know, over a period of time. So we might have periods of intense work and um, activity, whatever that activity might be. Um, but as long as we sort of make up for it later on, that's fine. Um, but it's around 42% um, that we should be sleeping or resting in some way. So let's talk about you know, what qualifies as rest, Elizabeth. I know you've got some interesting insights
0: here. Yeah. So uh, Louise and I would really like to introduce you to the work of Sandra Dalton-Smith. And... She has some great TED Talks, she's got a book called Sacred Rest, um, and she talks about there are seven types of rest, so not just one or two, but seven of them. And she kind of developed this theory because as a doctor, she found lots of people coming to her, they were getting their eight hours of sleep, but they'd be waking up tired, So what was happening there? So she kind of thought something more than sleep needed here. And she kind of posed the question about how you can keep your energy, happiness, creativity, relationships fresh and thriving in the midst of this never-ending kind of demands of life, family demands, career, work, stress of everyday life. And we're going to add that bit about transition in there. So our question would be about How can you keep your energy, happiness, creativity and relationships fresh and thriving, of course, in this transition from school to university and work? So for her, you know, I can hear you all thinking seven types of rest. What are they about? So for her, her focuses are and we'll go through each of them kind of individually. But they're physical, mental, emotional, social, sensory, creative and spiritual. And like everything, they'll be different for different people, just like the drains in your well-being bucket. Um, And of course, these might be really altered during a transition time. So for her, it's about noticing where the drains are in these different areas of need of of rest and thinking about ways to meet that need. So let's just touch on each briefly. So the first one is the physical, um, the one we associate rest with sleep. And of course, that's part of it. Um, you might re-listen to the podcast, but it's also about, as I was saying, about body feelings, being tired in your body, feeling stiff, feeling achy, especially if you sit a lot of the time, you know, in your day, or, you know, if you're on your bed, you know, with your computer and kind of reading or stuff like that. So um in that kind of transition from school to wherever you are, you might be less active in the day. There might be spurts of activity, but it'll likely be a little bit of a change. So what she would say, if you're noticing signals of feeling tired, either within your, you know, within your body, <clears throat> thinking it's maybe more than sleep, um, she kind of says that it's not maybe more inactivity you need, but maybe different kinds of activity, like movement breaks. Remember we talked about raising your calves when you were sitting in the movement thing. Mm-hmm. So that brings us back to that, about stretching, about massage. It's about maybe using your foam roller um, to build in, like Louise said, just little bits of moments of rest throughout the day. Um, and this is especially important, you know, when bedtime comes. You know how sometimes you get overtired and you can't sleep? your body's too tired or mentally if you're too tired. Um so you know we you might think about oh I just need to flop on the sofa now as I do sometimes too but be thinking about how to move your body in smaller ways to get it have it have some energy there. Anything else you want to say about that one, Louise about that movement? No, I don't think so. I think you've covered it well there. I think
1: it's just important, yeah, think about movement in its most, in its widest sense. So if you haven't listened to the movement episode, then go and listen to that
0: because we go into that in a lot more detail in that episode. So the mental kind of area of rest is the signals you might be noticing there as about being forgetful. You've got brain fog, you find it really hard to concentrate. Um, Maybe you've got a a lot to remember. And that's certainly true, you know, that entry phase of transition that we talked about, when you've just got a lot to kind of attend to and a lot in your diary. Um, So if you notice that and you're maybe you're feeling a bit overwhelmed by all the stuff and remembering things. um, The answer, according to Sandra Dalton Smith, is not to multitask, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but to have a bit like Louise was talking about earlier, fixed times to work and focus and then times to turn off. So, you know, um, one, one of the things that I often talk to students about is that Pomodoro technique we'll maybe put a link up to it at some point where you work for periods of 25 minutes, um, setting yourself some aims and goals of what you were doing and then reviewing at, at the end. So it's, it is that focus work and stuff. So it's not kind of having huge long spells of work or even when you're procrastinating, dare I say, when when you kind of think, oh, I'll do this instead of that. Well, there's no rest in that at all. So slow down. Um have a kind of study strategy. Have a have a strategy of how you're how you're doing the things that you need to do. Give yourself breaks. It's really important.
1: Yeah, and I think it's really important to remember that you know, thinking and sort of cognitive work, even though you're kind of feeling it was sed- sedentary because you're just sat, perhaps or standing if you do a standing desk, but you know, not moving much, not particularly active, it still absorbs quite or takes like quite a lot of energy. Our brain absorbs a lot or needs a lot of energy to to function so that's why you know we do get tired um so i guess one thing would be to yeah take rest breaks and remember to replenish in terms of um nutrition um water often water we forget to drink so drinking um, would also help, and of course, at times of high levels of stress, you know, new situations, or perhaps you know, for example, you've got your first assignment, first project that you're having to focus on. You feel you've got something to prove. You're adding, you know, perhaps an extra layer of stress to it because of that. Um, it's even more important at those times to
0: recognise that and and take a step back
1: and give yourself some space and time to rest.
0: And, and I, I agree. And in those times, as well as that mental stuff going on there might be kind of times where you need emotional rest Mm -hmm. which is which is the next one where you might notice there's a lot of overwhelm when you know there's all that friendship frenzy kind of meeting people and and trying to keep your emotions under control in this new setting you find yourself in not wanting to lose it maybe a lot of kind of Comparing yourself to others thinking, oh, they're getting on with things. They've got they've got friends I haven't. So um, maybe even kind of replaying situations, maybe go back to that minding your mind episode that we we talked about. So when you're feeling kind of quite your emotions are in deficit, you might find emotional rest in, as Sandra uh, Dalton Smith says, journaling. Just writing down about your emotions and what's going on for you. Maybe even looking for patterns about it. Mm-hmm. Notice and naming your feelings. Oh, there's my anxiety. There's the anxiety again. Um, mm-hmm. Remember the, some of the common emotions that we talked about in transition times, Those, that mix of competing emotions about being excited and, and nervous, being happy and sad. So just kind of noticing and naming when those emotions are around for you that are pretty common at the beginning of transitions and also about being compassionate yourself into these times of new beginnings. Um, If there's a lot of this kind of emotional stuff going on, you want to still be connecting with the people that you know well and can trust. Sort of you might not have made your big friendships yet. So um, be thinking about those old ones that you have People that can talk and listen to you, um, maybe family and previous friends, friendships. So be thinking about connecting in that emotional way with people that you know well. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And perhaps you want to, you know, I, I think one thought that occurred to me was perhaps sit down and watch something comforting. Um, I know, um, I don't think my daughter will mind me sharing this. I know in her first term at university when she was feeling you know, a little bit stressed out by it all. She would sit and watch Friends. I think she must have watched Friends so many times over the years, but that was her comfort. So I'll just watch an hour of Friends before I go to sleep. I know you're not supposed to have your computer out, but that worked for her. So this is all about whatever works for you. Um, So yes, looking for something that you will find comforting perhaps and and drawing
0: on that too. Yeah, really nice. I, I like, you know, who doesn't like Friends? um social rest is the next type of rest that she talks about might be challenged when you've lost those old contacts and you are in that kind of making new friends in early university days um so you might not get a lot of social rest with you know with new people new places there might be a bit of anxiety and pressure of going out and again comparing yourself to mm. others you know, Louise and I were talking earlier about just that fear of missing out stuff, you know, and feeling you've got to go out all the time. Um, And Sandra Dalton-Smith suggests it's good for you to know your preference of socializing. You know, and if we talk about loosely in terms of extroverts, you know, people that like get a lot of energy from people that are around them and being with, with other people, you might being with a lot of people might be the good thing for you. Whereas if you're maybe a bit more kind of, you don't want so many friends, maybe that kind of introvert title, you might want fewer friendships. So knowing your kind of pattern could be a really um, important thing that you don't feel forced into doing things that you don't really, you know, if you don't want to go out, you don't, you can, you can say no. So not saying yes to every invitation, um, Trying to do less might be might be a part of the equation in this, and to know that rest is important for you, um, and again, keeping the connections with people you know well when you're meeting new people, um, so that balance of old friendships and and making new ones is really important.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I recognise I kind of I on if there was a continuum of extroversion to introversion, I think if I reside somewhere in the middle. I'm not an out and out extrovert and so I find you know something like you know, the new social friend making frenzy um I, I would find that exhausting after a while and so I know that for me I need to take a step out step back and it's not that I don't want friends I do want friends and I enjoy people's company but then I also know I'm time alone and so not being worried about taking that time for yourself because mm-hmm. then that means you're energized for the next social connection and that will be so much better. And I think also, you know, stress-reducing conversations are really helpful. So knowing who you can have those with um, and finding those times and opportunities to love others and demonstrate your love for others, but also feel loved by others. Because in those situations you you feel safe and you know there's a psychological reason for and benefit for it because your brain replenishes when you're in those kind of situations. You know, your brain is, is not alert. It's not, and there's no fear response happening in those situations, you're feeling calm and safe. Um, and that's a really nice place to be sometimes. And it encourages you to remember why you feel safe. Um, and that's also an important thing to be able to tell yourself as well.
0: Our next sort of rest area is our sensory rest. With signals, you might be feeling overwhelmed, with noises irritating you, you might feel agitated, you know, that constant stream of media, emails, texts, and feeling you've got to get to it right away, you know, that you have to be on it, Um, feeling overloaded with your screens, um, noticing, oh, I've actually spent a long time on my screens today. And of course, there are individual differences in this, but You know, that being bombarded with things, especially, you know, in in this transition that we're talking about, it might be helpful to lessen your sensory overload. So there might be a little bit of a turning off your screens, but there would also be bits about the things that Louise mentioned that I mentioned before, just a walk in a quiet place, um, having a, a playlist that will bring you some rest and not energy, um closing your eyes, go being in nature. How remember we we're talking about in the movement episode about that wonder walk. Um, so just about getting getting out of and away from where all this busyness happens into other spaces that where you can feel some sensory rest. We're nearly through. Next one's creative rest. And creative rest is about experiencing wonder and awe. We've talked about it before. How do you stay inspired? How do you have time to kind of problem solve? How do you have time to be thinking new things, having some creativity within you? So if you're feeling less motivated to do what you need to do, you're feeling a little bit on a treadmill that, you know, when will this ever stop? Can I get off? When you feel like sort of giving up, then um Sandra Dalton Smith's kind of uh taken this would be plan into your time something that brings creativity back into your life. So for some people, it could be a visit to a gallery or exhibition, some people it could be nature. For some of us, you know what it's like when you're a student, you think about what am I going to put up on my wall or what my plants am I gonna have in my room? Mm-hmm. So bring things into your space. You know, have a, an inspiring poster, have some plants, have some shells, have some things that you see beauty in that you can look at that might give you that kind of sense of creative rest. Absolutely.
1: And I think it's also about building some fun into it as well. So, you know, making sure it's stuff that you enjoy. Um, and Marcus Buckingham, who is a researcher, he worked for a long time at Gallup, And he's just recently published a new book called Love and Work. And his whole point is that when we're doing things that we love, we perform and work at our best. Now he acknowledges that we can't spend all our time doing this, but he suggests that we look through for what he calls the red threads in our lives, the times when we're doing what we love, and then see how much much more we can build those into other areas of our lives as well. So something you can do is just to reflect on your day and think about those times when you felt really inspired and think, well, what was I doing at that point, and how could I build a bit more of that into my life? And um, you know, he thinks that what we love to do sort of relates to our strengths, and so there's a no whole other conversation to be had around using our strengths, and we will have that in a, in a future podcast. Um, but when we are using our strengths we're doing often what we love to do and that we're good at and we are then simply at our best um, and I think linking to sort of doing some stuff that we love to do and that we're interested in is this whole concept of doing stuff that you know, it feels like it's play it's fun you know I think often we can be so serious in life <laughs> um, and going back to Alex Penn, Pang that I talked about who who wrote this book around rest He says, you know, a lot of really ambitious people um, can over time cause themselves slow self-harm, he calls it slow self-harm through their ambition and their hard work. Because it's not something we respond to immediately. And if we're working really hard and we're not taking breaks, it takes time to to come to a point where it is costing us something very obvious and, you know, we we suffer. So a lot of people are causing themselves this slow self-harm but then they realize that they need to do something and they counteract this by getting serious about their hobbies and taking time off to do the things that they really enjoy. Often what they find is that they're using their strengths in those kinds of situations too. So one thing you can do is think, well, what what are my strengths and what do I do really well? I do it really well in the work situation. Well, how could I also use that in a fun, playful way too? And it might be, you know, going and joining clubs if you're at university, volunteering. It might be getting into sports and using those skills in that way. But thinking about how you can just go and enjoy it rather than it always being about work.
0: Um,
1: Um, Really
0: nice to remember the fun in in this as well. mm, mm. And and linking that creativity and doing things that are enjoyable for you yeah and i think we do
1: forget that don't we it all becomes
0: can become quite serious
1: hopefully if you're at university it hasn't <laughs> or isn't too serious in yeah. the first first months weeks and months but certainly if you have taken if you're listening to this and you you started a new job you know there perhaps is the chance that that can become quite a serious thing because obviously you want to perform and and do well and you need to counteract that it's so important that you counteract the effort you're putting in and the energy you're putting into that performance with some
0: restful times of fun and enjoyment. So the last rest that we're going to talk about today is something called spiritual rest. And that's the desire to belong to something, have something that brings you purpose and meaning, um, which can be a bit of a challenge, can't it? You might find yourself questioning, what am I doing? Why am I here? Is this the right choice for me? as often happens at the beginning of kind of new things for people um, expected in most transitions. So if you're looking for spiritual rest, it's when you you might want to join some communities or groups that give you a sense of purpose. And that's maybe beyond your work or beyond the university. When you think about especially at universities, there's usually a myriad of things that you can join into, but look for something that's going to bring you something, give that sense of purpose and meaning, something bigger than you, something that really interests you, something that you maybe wanted to do. So instead of kind of going back to the familiar, oh, I did this at school, so I'll do that there, maybe think about it's a time to do something different to really kind of try other things out, you never know where that will will take you. So transitions could be a time to thrive in being part of something quite different. So there we've introduced you to the seven types of rest. So there are lots of ways to rest and then restore. So the kind of thinking behind it is, know where you have a rest deficit. Where is my tiredness? and then implement strategies that give you the energy to do what you have to do so in principle it sounds quite easy doesn't it but we have to think about well what gets in the way and we've talked a little bit about that already so what what are the things that you think get in the way Louise what gets in the way of us as not taking the time to rest um
1: um, well I think you know perhaps we sort of mix up with sleep you know we think that rest is is just sleep so we have a very limited view about that um and i think yeah, it's easy to undervalue rest yeah, it's easier to undervalue rest and do it wrong <laughs> i think that's a really important thing to remember so um you yeah, don't undervalue the importance of rest mm. and do recognize it as something different from sleep yeah. and you know be motivated and take it
0: seriously enough to make time for it in your life yeah. I think that is really really important and and going back to that lovely tulip metaphor you need that to bloom you need to have it mm. and you know I, I think there's another thing there about sometimes culturally we you know how are you I'm really busy We te- we, we think about busy being a good thing mm. so And maybe we're used to it. We're used to kind of, nobody says, oh, I've got nothing to do. And how the judgments might come with that. So we accept we're always pushing ourselves. We're always busy. Maybe we accept that tired is how we have to be. And and maybe only thinking, well, the only thing I can do is go to bed earlier and sleep is the only answer. So we're kind of saying, yeah, busy can be good, but rest is also really important
1: yeah and i think often we're so driven to achieve and i guess this applies we're kind of touched on this as well haven't we you know in the university setting you want to be and do well and if you're in a new work situation you want to prove that you're yeah you're they chose the right candidate that you're the right person for that role and so you'll force yourself to keep going and and also there's this kind of belief isn't there that if you're not doing stuff you're lazy you hear people say that um and so we just work harder and harder. Yeah. And yeah, over time, that has a negative impact because there's only so much hard work we can do in any one 24 hour period. And I think people are really beginning to understand that. Mm. And it's important to recognize it's true. We get more done when we rest as well. Yeah.
0: And, you know, some of us, you know, might be. Not very comfortable or familiar with that rest mode like if this is something new you haven't really heard about today so you know when we think oh well when I rest I might end up feeling bored or I might end up having thoughts and feelings that you know I don't really want to have or maybe hard to manage and maybe when we get into rest we have a mind that races and does gets into kind of ways that actually is not restful so for some of us rest might be something completely new and something that we need to kind of learn to do and perhaps kind of experiment a little bit with well how can I rest what helps bring me rest maybe maybe it's particular ways of resting that are good for me so there's some experimenting about that isn't there
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think one one helpful thing to do, if you want to sort of get into this and analyze what what works for you from a rest perspective is to just create a a table, a 24 hour table, um, perhaps just noting down each hour. So you go from 12 to one, one to two, so on throughout the 24 hour period. And then have a think about what or note down when you have rested during that period in that 24 hour period and what kind of rest it was, what you were resting from um, and how you were resting and then create your ideal day and see how the two compare.
0: I would have lots of rest in (laughs) mine. If you, if you're interested more about um, Sandra Dalton Smith, of course she's got the book Sacred Rest There are podcasts um, she does. There's TED Talks. And she's got a test um, called restquiz.com, which looks at rest deficits, where your rest is missing, and also to suggest ways to restore. So we kind of put ours a little bit more slanted towards transition. Hers won't be, but it's really kind of good reading. Um, And what were your resources you were going to?
1: yes you might want to have a look at the book about rest why you get more done when you work less and also Burnout: the secret to solving the stress cycle by Emily and Amelia Nagoski now the only thing about that is that that is actually focused about on women um it's kind of got that yeah female focus so um but yeah I'm sure there are strategies that are relevant (laughs) to Mm. both genders
0: or all genders so yeah so good to know that there are plenty of stuff out there and the other thing it's good to know is when do you feel like you're restored you're fully restored you've got enough energy in your batteries um and it might be useful to think about when you wake up tomorrow morning you know do you feel like that sleep that you've had gives you energy to start the day Now, Louise, we've we've been putting the parma in at the end of our fundamentals, haven't we? So remember the parma, positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning and accomplishment, and how easily this sits alongside rest, doesn't it? So your positive emotions will be, you'll be more rested and more in tune with yourself. You'll be reading You'll be reading your signals and doing the stuff you need to do, so you're going to feel good about yourself, aren't you?
1: Yes, absolutely. And you'll be engaged, hopefully, in more aspects of your life. You know, rest contributes to engagement when you need to engage. In engage your strengths, <laughs> engage in the work that you enjoy doing, um, physical energy, creative, social, all of those things we've just talked about. When we're rested,
0: we have more energy to contribute to all of those areas. Yeah. And when you're socially and emotionally rested, that's going to make you able to form really good connections with people and to to know when you need to get more involved with people and do more, but also to know actually, you know, this is a time for me to rest, time for me just to kind of be in my own time for me to refill my bucket mm, absolutely yeah
1: and then meaning you know the spiritual rest is the background to being involved in activities that bring purpose so you know if you are rested then you're more likely to put energy into those activities you're going to more likely to see the money meaning the purpose enjoy the contribution you're making and that all has a, a very positive
0: impact on your well-being and the last thing of parama is the a accomplishment and so you know we're going to leave you with that image of the tulip with the bulb okay. <laughs> and so you'll be able to accomplish more when the bulb has rested and then it comes in time to flourish and bloom in many different ways so that's our kind of parama comfort uh, you know covered quite nicely in relation to rest and just reminding you at the end that the structure that Sandra Dalton Smith brings to rest is know that rest can happen in lots of different ways and actually you don't need to wait until you're in deficit there are plenty of things that you can be doing intentionally in your day so be aware of the factors for you that hinder rest and the factors that enhance it in those seven ways and even many more. Thanks for listening. Have a rest now. (laughs) Take
1: a break. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. So we hope this episode has given you lots of ideas for building rest and recovery into your busy days. Rest and recovery is only one way of replenishing your well-being bucket. If you're interested to know more about The Wellbeing Bucket, listen to episode 23. If you want to know more about PERMA, listen to episode 22. And for content about the benefit of good sleep and how to get a really good night's sleep, go to episode 24. We also mentioned some resources during the episode. One book called Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less by Alex Pang. Burnout, The Secret to Solving the Stress Cycle by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. And Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity by Sandy Dalton-Smith. And if you want to look for her on TED Talks, you'll find her talk if you just Google Sandy Dalton-Smith. So that's all for today. We will be back next week with an episode on building relationships. We hope you have a great week. Bye-bye for now. And now for the legal bits. The information contained in this podcast is for information purposes only. The content is not intended to act as a substitute for professional advice. Please do not delay in seeking professional help for any medical or mental health condition. Use of the information on this podcast and associated materials is at the user's own risk.